0: 18-
1: Joining us now is the governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Andy Bashir. Governor, thanks for joining us this week on Kentucky Focus.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh just right off the top, we'll start with the uh, the topic that has dominated the majority of your administration so far, COVID-19. Um how has it been governing during a pandemic? Obviously, governing is difficult in normal circumstances, but when you you put this on your plate, how has that changed how you would go about governing and the day-to-day operations?
2: Well, it's certainly been challenging, but it's been challenging on all of us, on every family, uh, including uh, mine. There is no playbook on how to be governor during a one in every hundred year pandemic with a virus that didn't exist uh, to our knowledge until just a few months before it hit Kentucky when there was originally no testing for it and then very limited. Um, and, and of course, for the, the, the first um, almost year or, or eight months, no vaccine uh, for it uh, either, for the first 12 months, uh, or I'm sorry, for the first eight months, uh, no vaccine. Um, you know But it also uh, has allowed me to see the best of the best of Kentuckians. You know, this is a virus where you try to provide the best leadership and that has to be non-political leadership because you have to make decisions battling something like this that would be crazy for anybody who uh, serves in, in elected office to make, but it's just the, the right thing to do. When things are issues of life or death, things like reelection don't matter uh, very much in those instances. And so you make the best decisions you can, trying to treat every family uh, like they are, are yours. But watching Kentuckians by and large come together to sacrifice for each other, to uh, live for one another, to live out uh, faith and and the golden rule has been something really special. And while we will remember this as a dark, difficult time where we lost a lot of people, it's gonna leave uh, both physical and, and emotional scars. We're also gonna remember this as a time where we saw great compassion and great humanity. And, and that's gonna be what ultimately uh, means that Kentucky will not lose the number of people that were projected and does much better than most of its neighbors.
1: Obviously, we're not out of the pandemic yet. It's the Delta variant is still out there and, and there are still people who are, are experiencing COVID and, and suffering the effects. But looking back at the, the heart of the pandemic, the majority of 2020 and, and the first part of 2021, is there anything that you would have done differently?
2: <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have. Um, uh, suggested that Lexingtonian Tupac Shakur uh, had not filed a legitimate claim uh, for UI. Uh, you know, I try not uh, to Monday morning quarterback uh, myself or, or others. You now, I've worked now with two presidential administrations, and I try not to uh, criticize either of them because you make the best decisions you can. And what is wartime? I mean, we are at war with this virus, having to make life and death choices that can be measured by the day and trying to make those to the best of our ability uh, each and every day. You, know, you gotta be willing to, to make that decision and, and to live with it. And I think there's gonna be plenty of time to, to look back and there'll always be people who think you should have done less or, or should have done more. And I hear both of those, but, but that typically suggests you're doing the, the right thing. What we've always tried to do is not to make a left or right, red or blue, Democrat or Republican decision, but one based on science and on the best information we've had. We've tried not to be the first state to adopt uh, certain things, nor have we tried to be the quickest to uh, release the different steps that, that we've had. And always, we've tried to communicate clearly, honestly, and transparently with the people of Kentucky.
1: As far as the pandemic goes, obviously just about every aspect of life in Kentucky was affected, but I'd say that education was easily, if not the top aspect, one of the top. Your administration is very education focused, especially with the role of the lieutenant governor. What is the state doing to try to address the the learning gaps that the pandemic created uh, statewide and across pretty much every demographic?
2: Any major historic moment uh, like COVID, like World War II, um, any, any, any major battles that we are fighting, whether it's against a virus or another adversary are gonna have huge impacts throughout our, our society. And what I will say is just like those generations, we will rebound and we are committed to doing it. Do you know, I saw firsthand uh, the challenges in, in our, our education community. I have an 11 and a 12 year old that were both on virtual learning when everybody else's kids were and then transitioned back with the anxiety that can be created there. When we talked about masks in schools or not, you know, I saw that issue both as governor, but also as a dad of two children uh, that would have to be wearing them. So it was deeply personal to me. You know, we've, we've taken a number of steps, including significant additional funding to our uh, friskies to our, our mental health professionals in our schools. There's the ability to repeat this last year that some children are are doing right now, but there's also trying to support uh, our educators that I believe have done an incredible job in the midst of of challenging times. They had to move to uh, remote learning almost immediately, something that that none of us had had ever thought. Might be possible in our lifetime, and then, with with some additional time, uh, provide you know, remote learning with with a bigger runway, and then transition back at a time when the virus is still there, and a lot of time has to be spent contact tracing, even by our our educators. But but I watch my own kids, and I will say that it's we're going to have to be intentional to get kids caught up, but they are resilient. Our kids are the ones that that. Don't complain, for the most part, about the things they have to do to be in school. They want to be in school. They want to succeed, and we've just got to give them the tools to do so.
1: One of the sectors that seems to be making a a resounding comeback in the state is the economic development sector. Obviously, the announcement of the 5,000 jobs from Ford and Hardin County, uh, 700 jobs announced today for a facility in Shelby County. It seems that Kentucky has gone from being the butt of some late night jokes to the uh, front row seat in the boardroom when it comes to, to landing these major projects.
2: We are living in an incredible moment, Will. It, and it's hard to process given that we're living through a very difficult moment with COVID, but our economy is absolutely on fire. Uh, we are the talk of every boardroom across America and every nation in this world knows who we are, and what makes us special. That Ford announcement is planetary uh, in in how big it is, meaning that it has its own gravity that's gonna bring so many other companies uh, here. It is the single largest economic development investment by far at $5.8 billion. That's by far in our history, 5,000 new jobs, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. So Ford in Louisville employs 13,000 people directly that has created about 120,000 jobs. And, and just think about with batteries, there's no supply chain in the United States. So how much opportunity that's gonna create all over Kentucky. Today's announcement, 700 plus jobs in, in Shelbyville, but, but they're going on everywhere. There's 250 new jobs in the EV market with Firestone in Whitley County. Uh, Pratt Paper is the the biggest economic development announcement in Western Kentucky in 25 years. We made that this year, with uh, almost 400 uh, new new jobs. And every single day we are seeing more investment. You know, you think we announced 5,000 jobs uh, in just 5,500 jobs with two more announcements after Ford in a week. I believe in in a 30-day period after that, we're going to announce at least 3,000 more jobs. So we are at the precipice of a potential age of prosperity in Kentucky. Like none we've ever seen where we're never a flyover state again, where no one ever looks down their nose at us. And if they want to make fun of our accent, we'll just steal their jobs. I mean, we have an incredible opportunity in front of us, but I think that comes with an incredible responsibility. Just like we can't leave anybody out during COVID. We can't leave anybody out during this historic moment moving forward. So we got to make sure that it reaches every part of Kentucky, but also n- every neighborhood in each of our major cities, including and especially uh, in Louisville. There is a chance to lift everyone up with with what's going on right now, and that's going to be our job to do so.
1: You uh, you mentioned Louisville and and the neighborhoods there. There has been a group that came out in, in representing the West End that is calling on you to to put some pressure, if you will, on Ford to put some of those subsidiary and supplier jobs there is that a conversation that you're open to having with ford or anyone else who wants to come to kentucky
2: well ford's going to be very intentional i know on its hiring in our initial calls uh lisa drake who's one of the top uh officials in ford uh, talked about wanting to be very intentional and inclusive in hiring. But let's remember Ford employs thirteen thousand people right now in in Jefferson county uh, that it's created so many other jobs in uh, Jefferson county that it has been good for every community uh, throughout Jefferson county. And I want to make sure that while we get excited and prepare for these jobs of the future with Ford, that we appreciate the jobs, that they have now. But I I plan on being very intentional across different economic development opportunities to ensure that the West End is included, to ensure that we can increase employment and and quality uh, of jobs, just like we're focused uh, on our work, for instance, with with Simmons on educational opportunities for for all of Louisville, but specifically for uh, our African-American neighborhoods. So I think the work there is going to continue. Uh, And I know we have a a lot of support from so many uh, community leaders on what this could mean for all of Kentucky.
1: The engine that kind of helped to to seal the deal for the Ford uh, announcement came from a special session of the General Assembly. Um, And there's there's some rumblings about a second one that will obviously need to happen before the end of the year on redistricting. Where does the uh, the call to the session stand on that, and, and how have the talks been with the legislative leaders on, on getting them back in to draw that map?
2: Well, let me start by complimenting the General Assembly, both past and present, for its role in landing Ford. One of the major reasons that Ford chose Kentucky is that site in Glendale, in just south of Elizabethtown, is one of the largest, best-prepared sites in America. You know, it's 1,500 acres, and we don't have that anywhere else. There wasn't another county uh, that if this is what Ford wanted, uh, that it could have have gone to. It would not have been uh, uh, possible. You know, the legislature originally trying to get Hyundai uh, during Paul Patton's years, uh, put money and and time and effort into putting that site together. And so they deserve a lot of credit. Our current General Assembly, I got to tell you what, put politics entirely aside. I've been briefing them for months with leadership. They saw the the opportunity there and almost to a person stepped up, did the right thing. It showed we were serious. And I gotta tell you, it's nice to know that we can still agree and and put our families first, uh, which is what they did, leadership and membership alike. When it comes to redistricting, um, we've had just a a couple of of calls uh, about discussing it in the future. I, as of yet, haven't seen a map. I haven't had a direct conversation with any legislator where they ask for a special session on redistricting, Uh, but certainly it's a conversation we can have. It's gotta be one though where the maps are fair, where they are not meant to disenfranchise anyone. I certainly wouldn't agree to a special session on any map that broke up uh, Louisville on, on, for instance, the the congressional uh, maps. Uh, This is a, a really important moment uh, where legislatures, e- even though they, they may be decided through through partisan caucuses, um, have to recognize, and I hope they do, that you know voters choose their legislators and, and their public officials and, and not the other way around. Now I'm getting some early indications that there may be a really strong effort to draw some fair maps from one of the chambers, but I look forward to seeing those if and when they, they come. Um, but to be clear, I'm, I'm going to want to make sure that we believe that those maps are fair to everybody before we'd call a special session.
1: Governor, last question for you: A violent crime has been a problem across the country, and the the Commonwealth no exception. In Louisville, it's another record-setting pace of homicides. Lexington seeing the same problem. What, at the state level, can be done to address the violent crime that we're seeing in Kentucky's urban areas?
2: Well, first, let me say as uh, the former attorney general, chief prosecutor, chief law enforcement officer, but an attorney general that was focused very specifically um, on recognizing and and helping victims of violent crime. Uh, Every violent crime brings with it such trauma um, that we need to to recognize, especially those families that have been harmed by it. I believe that this is a complicated, uh, complex, problem with, with multiple root causes that's going to take a, a, a multifaceted uh, approach towards finding a solution where we make sure that all voices, especially uh, voices from the communities where it's occurring, uh, are heard. And, and I hope that we can get to a place where we commit to addressing uh, root causes of whether it's, it's, it's poverty, education, and others. In other words, providing more Better-paying jobs that people can see uh, are possible from an earlier age. Uh, better educational outcomes—things that that community leaders have been working on for a long time—address some issues that have held neighborhoods back. That see a lot of crime, like redlining and 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 other uh, issues there. While at the same time, recognizing that appropriate policing is necessary, that it ought to respect everyone and everyone's rights but is so critical to have a trust between the community and the police so that they can effectively find folks that are committing violent crimes and make sure they can't commit one against the next person or the next person so certainly you know on the state level a number of things that we hope to be able to engage in uh, what we really hope over time is to be able to bring prosperity to every community which which will address at least some of what we're seeing right now, but I know it's something that you know I, I hope we can all work together on because the scars that it leaves on people and families and communities are, are are scars that we ought to be committed to preventing.
1: Governor, thanks for talking with us today on Kentucky Focus. Thank you so much. All righty, I've stopped the tape, and uh, that covers
0: everything. That's join M-I-D-I, dot com.